Today is Easter, if you didn't know that. Um, the life of Jesus really is the dividing point of history. It's the center point. Uh, from creation forward up until the birth of Jesus, everything that happened pointed to the birth of Jesus. From creation going forward, everything was about the, the coming of the Messiah. And so all of the Old Testament prophets are prophesying about the coming of this Messiah. And then at the birth of Jesus, at the life of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, from that point in history going forward, everything points to his return. And so his coming the first time is the center point. Everything before that points to his coming the first time. Everything after that points to his coming the second time. John the Baptist is actually the last of the old covenant prophets and the first of the new covenant prophets, which is a pretty uh, interesting job to have. As Jesus approached John at the Jordan River to be baptized, uh, John cries out, he, he points to Jesus, he calls attention to him, has the people turn and look towards Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Now, a few years after that, Jesus is crucified and he's raised on the third day. And now, like I said, everything from that point in history until today really is pointing towards his return. On the first Easter, angels asked this question, Women ran to the tomb or went to the tomb uh, looking for Jesus' body. It was empty. They're standing there somewhat dumbfounded and angels come to these ladies and this was their question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And the question that we have is pretty similar. The question for us is this, why would you settle for death when you can have life? Why would you settle for death when you can have life? Now, John 3.16 may be the most familiar verse in all of the Bible. Probably more people have that verse memorized than any other, unless maybe it's Jesus wept. Uh, but John 3.16, so many people, for so many, it's the first verse that we memorize. And so it's very familiar. It's very well known. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him uh, will not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, this passage in its story and in its context. If you, you know, sometimes we just pull that passage out and, and we memorize it. But if you leave it in its story, as it appears in the Gospel of John in chapter three, it is actually an incredibly Easter story. It is an Easter encounter, which is interesting because Jesus hasn't died yet and he hasn't been resurrected. But everything about Easter is in this story. So we're gonna take a look at that uh, today. Um, 
John chapter three, Gospel of John chapter three, we're gonna read verses one through 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. There's no one here, Lord who needs to hear from me or from any other person. But all of us, all of us, Lord, need to hear from you. So open our ears, open our hearts, speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So Nicodemus uh, he comes to Jesus looking for answers. And um, 
Maybe he comes for himself. Uh, maybe he comes for the people. He is a Pharisee. He is a Jewish leader. It says that he's on the ruling council, which was a group of people It was made up of both Pharisees and Sadducees. It was anywhere from 25 to 70 men. And they were the teachers. They were the people who were experts in the law. Uh, They were the decision makers. And so it could be that he's sent as a representative of that group, or it could be that he's just coming because he knows that he's responsible for the people and he wants to know you know, what the truth is. He wants to know what's going on. Jesus has caused to stir. There are things that are happening and he wants to get to the bottom of it. Or it could be that he himself needs some answers. So he, he may have come for himself. He may have come uh, for the people or, or he may have been sent as a representative, but he, but he comes at night and some people question why he came at night. And, and some people think, well, he probably came at night because Uh, He's supposed to know the answers and he doesn't know the answers. And so he's going to sneak in at night when nobody else is there so he can get the answers so he won't look look dumb. And and that could be true. It could be that he doesn't want people to know that he's coming. Or it could be just that he, he has some things that he wants to talk to Jesus about. And he doesn't want to be interrupted. He doesn't want there to be distractions. And, and if you're familiar with the gospel story, pretty much everywhere Jesus went, uh, there were people coming after him and seeking to have an encounter with him and wanting to talk to him and needing something from him. And so it, it was pretty intense time. And so it could be just that he, he wants a quiet moment, uninterrupted, so he can ask some questions. And, and he opens with this statement. He says to Jesus, we know that you're from God because no one could do what you've done unless God was with him. Now, Jesus just cuts to the chase because he's not a chit-chat guy. He's probably an introvert. And uh, (laughs) Jesus just cuts to the chase and he says, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus says, offers Jesus a compliment. He says, you must be from God because the things that you've done, nobody could do the things that you've done unless God was with him. And Jesus, and we know this about Jesus, he always knows. He always knows why we came, right? And even though we may feel like we need to kind of dance around the topic and lead into the topic and maybe make some small talk to kind of ease into things. He knows. He knows why you're here. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you need. He knows what you want. He knows the questions of your heart before you ask them. And so he just cuts to the chase and he says, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? which is a great question. And Jesus says, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. Now, there are a lot of ideas out there about what Jesus meant by this. Bible scholars have wrestled with this and and they have different ideas about what Jesus means when he says you have to be born of the water and of the spirit. 
What, what are these two types of births? Births, and some have su- suggested that water equals physical birth, and that spirit, obviously, spiritual birth. And some have said that water represents water baptism, and that spirit represents spirit baptism. And, and it could be, it could be either of those. Uh, it also could be that water represents John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance, and that spirit represents the baptism that Jesus brings, which is a baptism of Holy Spirit and fire. You'll you'll remember that John the Baptist said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy even to untie, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, whatever Jesus means when he says, baptized by water and the Spirit, this, this much is clear. Uh, knowledge is not enough. Nicodemus is one of the smartest guys in Jerusalem. He's one of the smartest guys uh, on the Judean council. He, he's a Pharisee. He's a leader. He's, his job is to instruct. He's an expert in the law. And, and knowledge is it's okay. It's good. But it's not enough. Being involved or being a leader even, it's not enough. There are people, there have been people in history who have gone to church every Sunday for their whole lives. But going to church is not enough. There have been people who have been in leadership and, and being in leadership is not enough. I, one of the things I did this morning um, this will date me, but, but one of the things I did this morning to get ready for, for Easter Sunday is I listened to YouTubes of Keith Green. Because he is my favorite worship leader. Uh, back in this, got, came to the Lord back in the 70s. Back, if you've seen the Jesus Revolution, he was part of that. Um, Keith Green used to say this, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. (laughs) He's right. It's not enough. So knowledge is not enough. Being involved or even being in leadership is not enough. You must be born again. You must be born again. Why? Why Why do you need to be born again? Well, because you're dead. Unless you've been born again, you're dead. Ephesians 2, 1 says, you were once dead in your sins. You'll remember that uh, Sam preached a couple of weeks back that God told Adam and Eve that if they ate from the tree that he had told them not to eat from, if they they chose to disobey and, and sin against the Lord, that they would die. And they did. But not just them, all of us. Their disobedience resulted in the spiritual death of all of us. And to have relationship with God, your spirit has to be resurrected. That is part of the symbolism of of baptism. When we put you into the water in baptism, 
it symbolizes going into the grave, dying, and then being resurrected. And it's your spirit that needs to be resurrected. Like Ephesians says, you are dead in your sins. Your spirit, your ability to connect with God, to be in relationship with God is dead until through repentance and saving faith, God brings your spirit back to life. You must be born again. Now, to help explain this, Jesus goes on and he says to Nicodemus that the son of man has to be lifted up. The son of man has to be lifted up. And then he refers back to a story of Moses from Numbers chapter 21, verse nine. What was going on here is that they're wandering through the wilderness and they're following Moses and they're a little bit disgruntled because they left Egypt and slavery and they thought they were going to this promised land and they're supposed to be going to this promised land, but for some reason, things aren't going well. They're not getting there. They're kind of going in circles and they're wandering around and they're disobeying and they're falling away from God. And and this wilderness thing is not what they had in mind when they left Egypt. And so they're disgruntled and they're angry at God and they're angry at Moses. And they complain. And... In one of those verses that that maybe is hard for us to understand, the Lord sends snakes after them. And several of them are bitten by these poisonous snakes and they die. And then they come to Moses and they say, we were wrong. We were wrong. We were wrong. We sinned against you. We sinned against God and we were wrong. And so the Lord then tells Moses, make a serpent and out of gold, bronze, something, gold, I think. He makes a golden serpent and he puts it on a pole. And the Lord tells him, if you hold up the pole, anyone who's bitten by a snake, if they look at at the pole, if they look at the serpent on the top of the pole, they'll be healed and they won't die. And so this is the story that Jesus refers back to. He says, just like Moses who raised the serpent up and said, look at this and you you won't die from the poisonous bite of the snake. Jesus says, the son of man will be lifted up in the same way. And if you look at him, you won't die from the poisonous bite of the snake. And so that's the story that Jesus is giving. Jesus says, all who look to him and believe will have eternal life. And it's in this context of this story and the Son of Man being raised up, in that context is where Jesus gives that famous verse, John 3, 16. He says, as as he's telling Nicodemus, you have to look at the Son. The Son is going to be lifted up and you have 
to look to the Son to live. And then he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then Jesus says this incredible thing. Because God sent his son into the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. You know, growing up, I I never doubted who Jesus was. I never did. I I grew up in in a family that went to church. They had me in church every Sunday. And I knew that Jesus was who he said he was. I didn't surrender to him. I didn't give my life to him. For 18 years, I knew who he was. I believed that he was who he said he was. But I didn't say yes to him until I was 18 years old. You know why? I loved my sin. Especially as a teenager, you know, 13 to 18, I loved my sin. I believed that Jesus was who he said he was, but I wasn't convinced. I wasn't convinced that what he had for me was better than what I had for myself. And that's one of the things Jesus says about people. He says they, they saw the things that I did. They saw the light, they saw the miracles, they saw the power of God, and they chose the darkness because their deeds were evil. I wasn't sure whether giving my life to Jesus would take away from me or give to me. I can remember honestly having the thought as a 15, 16 year old, when I would come under conviction and I would know that the things that I was doing were wrong and that they would not take me to a good place. I can remember having this thought, well, when I'm 30, and too old to have fun, then I'll, then I'll say yes. You know, it's interesting too, uh, the choice of words that John has here. He says, for God so loved the world. And you know, there are other places where John actually says that we as believers are not to love the world, right? So, What does that mean? How do we reconcile that? And I would say it this way. We are not to love the world with a selfish lust that seeks participation in the world, but we are to love the world as God loves the world with a selfless, costly love of redemption. It's completely different. And then finally, Jesus says, whoever believes 
is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. If you remember in the Old Testament, there were prophecies about the birth of Jesus that said, the people who walk in darkness, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus says, they've seen the light, they've chosen to stay in the dark. And as Nicodemus said, they've actually seen the power of God displayed through Jesus. How could they not believe? Because they were like me. They thought they knew what was best. And today, we stand in the same place, many of us, same place that they stood in, in their day. Two choices, stay in the darkness or believe. Stay in the darkness, stay in our sin, continue to believe that we know what's best for us or repent and believe. Repent, believe, and be baptized in that Holy Spirit come upon you fire that changes a life like nothing else.